Welcome to the Mind Your P's and Q's podcast with Mind Your Manners Mediation. I'm your host, Attorney Abby Godless, chatting with you about important family law topics and giving you tips for navigating Arizona divorce and custody. Let's get chatting. Today, we're picking right back up where we left off in last episode, and we'll be covering tips for a productive mediation. Importantly, before we get right into things, I do just want to make clear that these tips should be viewed as helping you through the entire mediation process. While the mediation sessions themselves are definitely the meat and potatoes of the process, that is when you are directly negotiating with one another and actually working through through all the issues, the entire mediation process from the time you sign up until whatever agreements are put in writing and signed To the extent that in the divorce and custody context, there's usually also a related court process. You could even argue that that legal document drafting and court portion is still part of the overarching mediation process. If you are still continuing that end drafting portion with your same mediator, But the point being that from the time you sign up, any of the different communication and meetings, including, but importantly, in addition to your main mediation sessions, all of that is still part of the process. And so these tips are going to keep you on course throughout all of it, keeping, you know, your tone appropriate, your goals in check, knowing that by using these tips, you are setting yourself up for the best chance at success. So phrase it that way might help you better see or understand why it is just as important to use these tips outside of the sessions themselves, especially if you are going to have to co-parent going forward. Mediation is not just mitigating that fight compared with litigation, but as we've discussed, oftentimes you naturally do find healing and can start shaping what that new co-parenting relationship is going to look like. So using these tips from the outset, having the productive, successful mediation, getting some of that natural healing, all of that's going to put you on the best path no matter what. But as always, I cannot stress enough that in the times where you do co-parent, all of this only goes that much deeper than those couples who don't have kids and are just seeking the mitigated fight and healing aspects that can come with mediation. So the very first tip is to make sure you are understanding the purpose of mediation. It is not meant to be couples therapy. Even though you may naturally find some healing because you have the mediator as that impartial third party guiding you guys through the process, helping ensure you proceed civilly, all of that can have some of the effects of therapy in those healing regards but it is not therapy in any way. Rather than inadvertently viewing mediation as some form of therapy or has some aspects the same as therapy, you should instead be thinking of it as a conversation about the future with the goal of reaching an amicable divorce or custody settlement that puts each of you on the best path 
forward. This means you should not and do not want to be using mediation time to harp on issues of the past. Not only does it not serve the goals of mediation, but it's going to cost you money because you are going to take up time going on a tangent focused on the past rather than using the time you're paying for wisely to reach agreements and move past the divorce or custody matter. Similarly, you should understand the mediator's role. Mediators are impartial third parties who are there to assist with your divorce or custody matter by helping each of you express your point of view, helping each of you perceive the other's point of view while you negotiate your agreements. That means the mediator is there to ensure cordial civil discourse and keep the conversation on track, but they are not there to help you work out past problems. The mediator isn't there to take sides. They are on the side of the process and the negotiation itself. Even if they are offering an evaluative opinion, they are merely telling you, based on their experience, how they believe it will play out in court. It is based on experience and the law. It is not based on who they like better. You can take solace knowing that the mediator is there to act in everyone's best interest, so that does get to the kids that are not in the room as well, and they do that by keeping the procedures on target, and just know that they're not attacking you when they ask for clarification or redirect your point. They are working to better understand your position and help the other party better understand your position, or they are helping keep things on track. You may think something's on track where with their experience and knowledge of the process, they know it's not actually on track or as on track as you might think. Moving along, it is imperative to remember that mediation is not a fight. That means as much of these next points are going to be easy for me to say, I do understand they are going to be much harder to employ when these are emotional topics and when you're especially first going into mediation and haven't had a chance to start working through some of the issues and thus some of your emotions, everything's going to be more heightened. But again, this is where you can do some of the practice in your prep and you could make the cheat sheet so that these are right in your face when you're in a session and there's a potential heat of the moment where you just need to glance down and, you know, gather your tips and tricks and keep your wits about you, so to speak. So how do you keep mediation going and ensure that it remains not a fight because it shouldn't be a fight? Otherwise, you would be litigating. The tips here include trying not to minimize the other person's feelings. Mediation can allow you guys to each fully express and explore your respective feelings. And so this is a you wouldn't want it done to you, so don't do it to others sentiment. If you don't minimize their feelings, they're less likely to minimize yours. Similarly, you should not make negative judgments about what the other person has said, even if you believe that what they said deserves a negative judgment. This might be an opportunity to inquire because no one is a mind reader and so you may be interpreting it and thus feeling something that would warrant a negative judgment and that might not be perfectly what the other person meant. 
do not misrepresent or omit relevant facts because this can damage trust and it can damage trust to such a degree that mediation can fail. Don't speak in a condescending or sarcastic way to the other person. And this somewhat goes to the fact that mediation is not there to dwell on past issues. So even though you're feeling the emotions of everything that you've experienced with your ex or soon-to-be ex, you have agreed to sit down and negotiate. You are agreeing to work with one another through the issues and being condescending or sarcastic, you know, snipping at them in retort, as much as that may be your instinct or your autopilot reaction, it's not helpful to the process. Don't demand that the other party apologize or admit to wrongdoing. This again goes to leaving the past in the past, but it also goes to the fact that most people, yourself included, aren't going to apologize unless or until they truly believe what they did was wrong. And so by one of you demanding an apology of the other, it's just gonna cause resistance and friction that can derail mediation. Don't make offensive or hostile nonverbal expressions. Again, this goes off the last couple points. This is one where during prep, if you know you react to your ex or soon-to-be ex in a certain way more often than not, make a note to yourself that you can keep nearby to remind yourself not to roll your eyes or sigh loudly or flip them the bird, whatever the case might be. You can't be making threats to the other party. Whether or not you intend to carry out the threat, this is not gonna get cooperation. It it may be a threat that the mediator decides to break confidentiality and report. Here in Arizona, we have a may, not a must, when there are threats of violence. And while it is therefore discretionary and not mandatory, you don't want to chance that it is a threat that would be reported. And even even at the quote-unquote lesser level threat, it is counterintuitive to why you are coming to mediation and may be against your specific mediator's rules and policies. Don't shout at the other party. Again, even if this is a natural response when you're angry, no matter who or what you're angry at, it is not going to encourage someone to cooperate with you. Do your best to demonstrate appreciation for any offers or suggestions made by your ex or soon-to-be ex when they are genuinely addressing your concerns. For instance, if you are worried that your ex or soon-to-be ex is going to criticize you to close friends or family members and they offer that they will make sure that they are not doing that going forward, you can let them know. I appreciate you agreeing to refrain from criticizing me to our close friends and family. Or I appreciate that you agree to refrain from venting about me in public. Whatever the specific suggestion, getting at the specific concern you raised, just note that out loud. It can go a long way. Likewise, if your ex or soon-to-be ex suggests they would like you to do something and you're willing to do that thing, offer to do it. Whether it's a small thing, a medium thing, or a big thing, if that's their suggestion and you're on board, it should be a non-starter for you to agree. It's gonna build trust. It can be seen as respectful and a show of good faith. 
This next point is definitely much easier for me to say than for you to do. But again, all of these tips are just putting you on the best foot forward if you really can adhere to them. And so to the extent you can, demonstrate respect for the dignity of your ex or soon-to-be ex. No matter how far along in the process you are, no matter what anger or mistrust you may still hold, even if you believe that the reason you're divorcing or breaking up is entirely your ex's or soon-to-be ex's fault, speaking to them in a disrespectful manner could give them an opportunity to avoid the content of what you're saying and want to shift the focus to your disrespectful behavior. This is going to completely derail the mediation. It's going to keep the animosity at bay, if not slightly worsen it, but it's certainly not going to mitigate the animosity. And it's going to shift the focus from the content, which should be the focus since you are trying to reach agreements on your issues. And it's going to become more therapy-like because it will be focused on behaviors, which as we discussed at the top of this episode, mediation is not. This also means that you should apologize sincerely for anything you do or say to your ex or soon-to-be ex that you now regret. The parts of mediation that naturally allow for healing is because as you work through the issues, you can see things a little more clearly and logically rather than clouded by your emotions. It's a chance at growth. Even in a limited context, just focused on the end of the relationship, regardless of divorce or breakup. And so if there is something that you genuinely feel sorry for, a sincere apology goes a long way at the tips we've already discussed. These next three points are going to be things you will likely find helpful to practice. And while we're going to get into more detail on each of them, the three points that may warrant some practice during your prep are to use I statements and ask open-ended questions to use neutral language, and to listen, let the other person vent some, and try to understand where they're coming from. The first of the three points, using I statements and asking open-ended questions, I statements are just what they sound like. You are going to phrase your statements focused on the first person perspective. Keep the statement and sentiment focused on yourself, not the other person or any third party. And while we might not all always be the best at using open-ended questions, I'm sure we do all know what an open-ended question is. A closed-ended question being those that elicit only a yes or no answer. Open-ended questions do make you give an actual response. Examples of these would include saying, I don't remember these events in the way you describe them. What I remember is blah, 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 whatever you remember. It's not telling the other person they're a liar. It's not in any way taking a dig at them. It's saying, wait a minute, we have different memories of this. This is, you know, you've said your piece. Now let me say mine and let's find out where the truth lies. Another example is saying, I'm confused because earlier you said X and now it sounds like you're saying Y. Can you clarify this for me? 
This is a combo of the I statement and the open-ended question. Well, technically, can you clarify this for me would warrant a yes or no in the immediate. If each of you is coming to the mediation session in true good faith, then your ex or soon-to-be ex is going to want to clarify it. And when they go to clarify it, that's the part that's open-ended. They can clarify as they see fit and you guys can continue your conversation until you've reconciled the confusion. You're also going to want to use neutral language. For example, you may feel that something your ex or soon-to-be ex did or said is harassing, but rather than saying, hey, you're harassing me, or that was harassing behavior, or something along those lines, you could instead lay out the factual statement. For instance, if you're talking to the mediator, you could say, they called me four times last Tuesday to ask about the kid's doctor's appointments. Obviously, if you're talking to your ex or soon-to-be ex directly, you called me four times last Tuesday to ask about the kid's doctor's appointments. You're not, in either of those statements, calling out your ex or soon-to-be ex as a bad person or a harasser or a bully or whatever you might label the behavior as. Rather, you are neutrally relaying what occurred and the conclusion that the average person would draw is that, whoa, four calls in a day about the same thing? It's always going to be the natural conclusion to get drawn from the neutral statement. You can then focus on how that behavior affected you, which will allow the mediation to continue flowing forward. Taking the four calls last Tuesday example one step further, you then add to your sentence when they or you, depending whether you're talking to the mediator or your ex or soon to be ex, when they called me for the fourth time, I was very frustrated and irritated. That loops in some of the I statement. It's not about what they did. It was about how you felt about what they did. Make sure that you're following the ground rules established by your mediator because those are designed to help you have a productive conversation. And typical ground rules can include things like not interrupting when the other person is speaking and no deliberate personal attacks or insults. Don't poke the bear, so to speak. Neutral language is going to further these specific ground rules. You should also be sure you are listening, letting the other person vent at least some, and doing your best to understand where they're coming from. Can't say enough how much easier it is for me to say than for you to do, but this is such an extraordinarily valuable tool. To make this tip easier and to help ensure you're not running afoul of any of the ground rules that get at minding your manners and not interrupting, make sure you have a piece of paper or notepad nearby and you can note points you want to respond to, jot thoughts of what you want your response to actually be, and practice using the word because. When you express yourself by using the word because, it forces you to explain your point of view. If you're having an actual collaborative negotiation, then your ex or soon-to-be ex needs to understand where you're coming from and vice versa. Your position is almost always obvious to you, but no one is a mind reader. Your point is not always obvious to your ex or soon-to-be ex or even the mediator who's working to guide the process. 
So for example, if you don't wanna sell the house and you say merely, I don't wanna sell the house, I'm not doing it right now, and leave it just at that, it certainly states what you want, but it's not giving your ex or soon-to-be ex, or even the mediator who's there to offer some additional suggestions, it's not giving anyone anything to work with. It makes it sound like you've just got your foot in the sand and you may not even have a reason for why you don't wanna sell right now. And that's likely not true. You likely have a reason that is obvious to you. It just hasn't been voiced in any clear manner that your ex or soon-to-be ex or the mediator has understood it yet. Instead, you could say something to the effect of, I don't wanna sell the house right now because the property value would significantly increase upon the city approving construction for that new shopping mall. Now there's an abstract or tangible reason out on the table There's understanding that you're not just trying to be difficult or keep the house out of spite, but in this specific example, you're actually showing that you wanna increase the value of the house before you try selling, and that's a benefit to each of you. Either way, specific to this example or more broadly to the general point, having new information, knowing your logic and reasoning allows you and your ex or soon-to-be ex an easier time to reach an agreement around the reasoning you offered. And the final two points I want to make today are that it is okay to take a break especially in the family context where emotions tend to run a little higher than other types of mediated conflicts. If you feel your emotions running away from you, running too hot for a productive mediation, or sometimes even your brain is just out of ideas, It's okay to request a break, whether that's a 10 to 15 minute break in the mediation session or tabling the mediation session for the day and scheduling another session for another day. Either way, sometimes a break helps you be more productive. Think about even just working your job. You have to take breaks occasionally or your brain is just gonna go kaput and not be productive even if you're technically still sitting in front of your computer or whatever your job might require. And finally, understand that you may have a future relationship with your ex or soon-to-be ex. Especially if you share children, that's a guaranteed future relationship, at least for the length that you must co-parent. So when mediating, do your best to remember that at least to some degree, you may still be working with your ex or soon-to-be ex well past mediation finishing. Even beyond the obvious kid and co-parenting reasons, it may be a more limited future relationship where you're working to finish actually seeing your different agreements through, whether that's working together to sell your house, working to finish dividing your retirement accounts, whatever that might look like, or perhaps you are going to continue sharing a business or otherwise be in the same workplace specifically or professional setting more generally, and it can behoove you to think of mediation as the first step in developing your new relationship. Going in with this attitude can give you an easier time of seeing the bigger picture and can help make it less likely that you're acting out of emotion during mediation. 
quickly wrapping things up, we started by covering what mediation actually is and is not, as well as getting at what the mediator's role is and is not before we went through a whole bunch of tips of helping to keep mediation not a fight, since it is not meant to be a fight. This was where we covered the three points you may find most helpful to practice, being the use of I statements and open-ended questions, using neutral language, and listening even if the other person is venting so that you can try to understand where they're coming from. And then we, of course, noted that it is more than okay to take a break and that you should note that there may be a future relationship with your ex or soon-to-be ex and consider what that relationship would look like so that you can use mediation the absolute most productively because you're not just working at the agreements for the immediate, but considering how those agreements would play out in your future relationship. As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time to stay in the know. Any links mentioned and all credits and permissions can be found in the show notes. I'll catch you in our next episode.